Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here. First, if you are interested in print design, go check out the free three-part video series at printdesignacademy.com. That is an introduction to print, start learning terms, start learning proper file prep, start learning a bit about paper, a free three-part training series to get your foot in that print door. So today my guest is Amanda Schutz from Curio Studio. We talk all kinds of print stuff in this episode. We talk a little bit about lasers. We talk a little bit about our first business card. But this one is about offset with a little bit of digital, but lots of specialty finishing. Some foiling, some embossing, some nice papers, and lasers. Like I said, lasers. So let's get into this exciting conversation about print, specialty finishing, lasers, and all kinds of good stuff. But first, the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing terrific. Thank you so much. Um, I want to start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, well, my name is Amanda Schutz. Um, I'm a creative director, illustrator, graphic designer based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I run a small design shop called Curio Studio. And we've been in operation for about 16, 17 years now. That's awesome. So when when you started the studio, was it just you and then you've slowly added and grew? Or has it always been you and more? Um, well, it's definitely taken different evolutions staff-wise. So, yes, I did start it alone. And um, through the years, um, I've had, for a while, I had a, a, a partner with the studio. And um, we've had, we had staff, like we had one staff person and then my partner left. And then, um, you know, I built up staff again. And currently, I'm really loving uh, our current size, which is three people. So myself and two other designers. It just seems like a really great number and we work really well as a team together as a, a trio. So yeah. really like that number right now. Nice. A nice little fit, which gives you, you know, the possibility to take on large projects because you've got some extra help with that, but also small enough to be able to react really quickly. Yeah, react quickly. And also, um, because we're smaller, the overhead for our studio is a little bit lower. So I find that it's easier for us to take on projects that have a smaller budget. And that's advantageous for us because we like to create create work that um, like sometimes the 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 quality or the the nature of the project, if it's a smaller budget, might be more interesting. So, um, being able to do those smaller projects keeps the like creative stimulation in our group. I love that. 
So we're here to chat about print and packaging, and I want to know what your earliest memory of print and packaging is. Maybe it's something from your teens, something from your childhood. Um, well, I definitely remember lots of different packaging from toys as a child, but um, the specific memory that came to mind for me, especially when it comes to noticing design, um, was seeing uh, CD album covers when I was going through high school. Uh, specifically, I was really obsessed with Pearl Jam nice. and uh, the album at the time that was like that was released during my high school years was called Vitalogy. Mm -hmm. And I remember the packaging for that album being so unique and specific. It, it wasn't a jewel case or anything. It was a, a printed booklet that looked like an old vintage booklet. And the typography on, typography on the front was um, um, very calligraphic and looked like it had, a, I think it might've even had like an emboss or a deboss on it. Mm -hmm. And then the, and then the inside pages looked like vintage book pages. And you could just tell, I mean, I didn't really have the language or knowledge at the time to understand what I was looking at, but looking back now, I realized that that, that, that piece was carefully designed by somebody. So even though you didn't have a sort of that design view of it as a consumer or a fan of the, the band or the project, um, you appreciated it. You noticed the extra effort that was put in, even though you couldn't label it at the time. Totally. Like it definitely felt so much different than any of my other uh, CDs. Mm -hmm. And even like, I mean, we're going to dig into some print stuff, but like even the paper choice and the fact that it didn't have the plastic jewel case mm -hmm. made it, made it instantly feel more real and tactile to me. And yeah, now, now I can, I can make those connections under, and understand those decisions, but then it just, it seemed like a, something so quirky and different <laughs> definitely did yeah getting rid of the because i had a couple of albums when i was younger that got rid of that plastic case as well and it was just like that folded paperboard mm -hmm. and um yeah it was really unique i remember that standing out to me mm -hmm. i think it was a foo fighters album yeah well there were there were a few that did like the basically it was like the the cd itself just slid into like a paper sleeve yep um so there was those but like the one with this this pearl gem that i'm kind of referencing to it was a little bit more elaborate it actually had um a sleeve where a booklet was like slid into it as well so yeah i mean it, it must have cost a lot of money to produce but Again, like it was, you know, it's so cool to look back at that and think that the, you know, the band decided that that investment was important for the whole vibe of the album. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It, it makes a difference for sure. Hmm. Um, now, what about recently? Have you had any recent interactions with print or packaging that you really enjoyed? Um, well, last year, like... Um, for many years, I was involved with the Graphic Designers of Canada, um, and I was the board president for a while here at Edmonton. And last year, um, the events chair who works for me, Rachel, she brought in Kelly Anderson. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, no. um, but she is a print designer, and she does a lot of different kind of interesting projects with not just print but video and and other kind of old-timey method methods and she's been putting out a lot of really interesting work that involves elaborate folding mixed with uh rhizograph i think oh, that's cool. how you say it rhizograph rhizograph um she's from new york and she's just like very very intelligent and the the folding techniques that she does they're kind of hand folded techniques they're like they're they're folds like i've never seen them before they're like zigzag folds that are just like like 10 times leveled up than that. So, <laughs> so like the nerd in me who's just like loves unique folds and loves um, seeing print being used 
in very bizarre ways is really drawn to that. I know for myself, like as much as I love some of that technical stuff, um, my brain isn't super wired to do that kind of like, I'm not sure how she even mathematically figures out these folds, <laughs> but I really appreciate what goes into something like that. Yeah, that's so great. And it really enhances the experience of whatever message that piece is trying to deliver. It, it The more interesting and interactive something is in print, the mm-hmm. more some, more time somebody's going to spend with it. Exactly. Right. So that's a beautiful way of doing that just by creating some funky folds and something different that isn't the standard brochure fold or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. So true. Love it. Um mm-hmm. In your opinion, as both a business owner and a designer and being president of the GDC, what do you think makes print so special to designers? Why do you think they love it so much? Well, I'm sure like if you you asked many designers this question, like you would get some similar answers because I think deep down designers are similarly wired in the sense that we love beautiful things. Like it's, it's rare that you'll meet a designer that doesn't collect some sort of object whether it be like <laughs> you know like it doesn't matter what it is like I'm I collect like nature stuff but like the next person will collect like vintage film reels you know it's just it's part of who we are so I think we do like the tactile um and I think also like coming back to that technical side um print is a little bit more of a technical puzzle in the mm-hmm. sense that like you know when we get into um how print is actually produced like with paper and ink and file setup and all of those sorts of things. It's almost like um, a bit of a technical puzzle to work through how to solve a print piece. And I think that like, you know, in the, in the, in the world of art, like designers kind of lean more on the uh, more analytical side. And I think that might appeal to us in some ways. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree with that. And with you, collecting that sort of nature, um, nature things or natural items and stuff like that from nature. Mm -hmm. My thing is, um, books is printed Mm -hmm. books. I'm a huge book collector. Um, and recently I saw it's this counter books. I think it's called counter print books or counter books. They're out of the UK, Mm -hmm. but I saw they had for sale a NASA brand guideline book. Oh, I think I've seen that. <laughs> and I saw it and I'm I'm dying to get it. I'm just yeah. I'm holding off just a little bit. But I I'm oh my god, I get that that sort of stuff I get so excited about. What's the likelihood that I'm going to look at it once a week even? Highly, yeah. highly unlikely, but it's there. And you know what's so funny that you bring that up? And this is why like all of us designers are the same. I think the same company put out a book um that has a whole bunch of collection of design printed pieces from like different national parks Um, yes and I actually I fell in love with it so much that I like spent a ton of money and bought it immediately (laughs) and I didn't even like the the price tag didn't even register in my mind I'm like I must have this (laughs) so I think it's just like you know like we're a niche market but it's like once you figure us out, like it's very easy. <laughs> <laughs> Just create something really pretty and you're in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so that nature, that's where, is that where you go to find inspiration and even ideas and creative space when you're planning these print projects and packaging projects? I mean, a little bit for me, I, 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 
I've always been drawn to nature as an inspiration for a lot of my illustration work. Mm -hmm. So um, I find that I'm, you know, as I get older, I notice more subtlety in nature as far as like patterns and color. And that is a place I go to for comfort. Mm -hmm. And I just find that it's a great place to get inspiration. That said, um, you know, it's always great to have you know, like piles and piles of samples of print pieces in an archive to kind of look at. And yeah, totally. I mean, I will also want to bring up as far as inspiration and planning, like for us at our studio, we actually like we have a really amazing relationship with a specific print rep in our city. Mm-hmm. And we actually before we even start print projects, sometimes we will just get on the phone with him or have him come by the studio and he will talk with us and kind of explore if there's like specific techniques that um we could we could throw at a project or if he has new equipment he wants to try like we kind of involve him at an earlier stage mm-hmm. and, and that's been really helpful in kind of pushing the boundaries for both us and the printer um and you know like it gives us an opportunity to kind of work through some of the the technical ahead of the time and make it a, a case to the client for spending more money on printing techniques yeah so yeah because sometimes those little embellishments that you might not even know about as the designer but is possible to take advantage of some process Mm -hmm. um you know could really stand out and take the project over or take it to 11 i guess you could say yeah and i mean the great thing about our rep too is that he uh he's special in the sense that he doesn't he's not annoyed by um like i think that some print reps are just might get exhausted by designers wanting to do all these fancy things and not being super practical or, or easy to work through. Like I realized Mm -hmm. for for him, it takes more time and effort for him to actually make a commission off of these jobs because of all the finickiness of it. But Mm -hmm. like he, he appreciates and values the quality of the product in the end and is willing to put in that extra time, which makes a difference. Huge difference. Yeah. yeah, you gotta love it to really put the extra effort and energy into that creative side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially being you know I've been in that commission structure before, and if you don't love print and you're just after commission, there's a lot of really cool projects that could go to the next level that don't end up going there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For Big sure. Time. So I want to take you back in time here, Amanda, to the very first print project you were ever a part of. Um, can you tell me about that? What was the first one that you ever produced? Okay. Um, well, uh, when I graduated from design school, mm-hmm. I landed my first job at an engineering firm doing in-house graphic design. Um, and that, that firm was quite a large company and they had, you know, they had a team and art director and some designers and marketing people. So a brand was, you know, set in stone there and, I very quickly was familiarized with that brand. So Mm -hmm. learning about the Pantone colors and like all of the kind of decisions that are made on, on print collateral there. So my first project, it was very small, um, but it was a newsletter that I did for the company like an internal employee newsletter. And I remember it specifically because like um, this probably, this is a type of piece that wouldn't even, even be printed this way in this day and age, but it was, a newsletter that was just eight and a half by 11 and it was printed just with two Pantone colors. Uh And um, I remember it specifically because I worked with the art director and we decided to go with a speckled kind of natural looking paper for Uh the newsletter. And um, 
at the time, I mean, like I, I look back and I actually look back at this memory quite fondly because um, we were at a stage in design where like print rep or paper, paper reps were coming by. Uh, the studio is quite regularly with swatch books and like there was more availability for different types of paper mm -hmm. in print in print it seemed um, like the the mills were producing more varieties of paper and it was more it was easier to access mm -hmm. um, and I do feel now that like unique papers it still exist but there isn't multiple paper mills that are producing those papers. So I remember like selecting the paper for this newsletter at the time and there being like a whole wall of paper samples. Um, and I, I also remember that job because it, because it was like a, a speckled natural paper. It was my first time that I kind of really learned about uh, dot gain, which is like how much the ink is bleeding onto the paper. So yeah. those are all conversations that I was having with my art director at the time. And of course, because like, you know, I only went through a two year program at, my design college. Mm -hmm. uh, some of this stuff was touched on, but I was never really covered in at length. So it was like just so much to learn about um, with regards to print. Totally. So I love two. there's two things that really stood out to me on that one. Um, you know, you mentioned that Pantones, you know, is using mm -hmm. only two Pantones isn't done as much as it might've used to been. Mm -hmm. um, what I love about taking a restriction <laughs> like that and giving that to a designer is that it you would think that it limits the creativity, but mm -hmm. in fact, I think it does the opposite. Mm -hmm. It increases because you now have guidelines and restrictions as to process. Mm -hmm. So how creative can you get within that process? And that's mm -hmm. where you really see things tested, things challenged. Um, and the other great thing about that is textured papers and, and papers with, you know, fleck and recycled bits in them. Um, things like that can really enhance, again, the experience with mm -hmm. something in print, something as simple as even a black printed two side newsletter, something that most people would consider really boring, can be completely transformed by using a really cool paper or a colored mm -hmm. paper or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. I do agree. And like, um, I do think that like, I mean, you, you may interview different designers that have different, um, amount, years of experience. Mm -hmm. And I do, I do find for myself where the stage I am at, at my career, I was able to, uh, work through a time where like, it was more often that things were printed as like two color Pantone mm -hmm. on a press, on a press where like, I notice now, um, th that students, um, aren't as familiar with, uh, these kind of offset printing techniques as much because, mm -hmm. um, because of quantities and just how things are done with equipment. Now, a lot of work is run digitally and they just don't have the, the limitations placed on the project as much. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that that's kind of, that's evolved that way yet, you know, I guess in some ways you still see a lot of design that is like minimal color palettes mm -hmm. um, because having those restrictions can can bring some freshness to a design. You know, I just thought that that would be a really cool design challenge to do for print design Academy is to put out to the members there, you know, some sort of brief with a print restriction of two Pantone colors mm -hmm. and, and then actually take all of their files and print them. So it ends up being a printed portfolio piece for them, mm -hmm. but also, a, you know, some content showing, the process and showing oh, how it all comes together. 
Oh, totally. That'd be fun. Like that you bringing that up reminds me that like when, when I went to design school, one of the things we got at the end of the year was a printed box of our own business cards. And, and, and however they, they arranged some sort of relationship with a printer in our city. um, They, they had us all design our business cards with the same two Pantone. Co- I, they, they must have gang rung all the cards together. Yep. And that's why. So like I have like in my file, I have this like very poorly designed business card that's like <laughs> done with like a rust orange and this dark greeny blue color. And I have others like from my classmates and they're all in the same color. <laughs> and you still have them all. I have some of them. Yeah. I was going through my archive uh, just in prep for this for this uh this podcast and yeah. i did find that card yeah that's awesome can you please send me some photos of those i'd love to yeah. include those in the episode artwork yeah i'll definitely do that sweet um now with print it doesn't always go as planned especially in the learning stages when you're still figuring it all out i want to know amanda if you have been a part of a print project that did not turn out as you'd hoped, didn't go well went sideways can you tell us about that project and your experience with it Um, well, I have to say, like, I mean, I've had lots of very wacky and wild experiences with, (laughs) with projects going sideways. Like, I mean, there's been situations where, you know, something went to print and it's been printed at the wrong size and doesn't fit in the envelope, Uh, or there's like been a spelling error that everyone missed, um, things like that. But as far as like, um, like print technique specific, there was a project that I did a few years back for um, a hospital gala invitation. And we did this like very beautiful um, um, laser cut paper thing where it was like, yeah, like laser. It was like a tr- an elaborate tree laser cut for this invitation. And it, it turned out absolutely stunning in the end but i have to say the amount of revisions we had to go through to get the artwork to a place where the laser machine could actually produce it properly Mm -hmm. um like i totally blew my budget as far as my hours (laughs) on the project because like um the illustration was so elaborate that like the laser machine couldn't actually um like couldn't compute it properly so i had to keep simplifying and simplifying so it actually um it would like the first, I think the first go around, it took like over half an hour just to print, to laser cut one because it was too detailed. And how many so, were you producing? I think there was like 500 or something. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I would say that would be an example of one where it was like print technique specific that there was just these variables that I did not expect came into play. Definitely. And that's why laser cutting can become so expensive because if you're, you know, you can't, when you're die cutting something, like it's a pretty automated process and you can go through sheets pretty quick, but laser mm-hmm. cutting, you're literally taking a sheet, putting mm-hmm. it into a laser cutting machine, cutting that sheet, taking that sheet out, putting another sheet in. Like it's, it's a, yes, it's automated, but it's, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's components of it that take a while. Oh, and that's for why sure. it can be a little bit expensive, but yeah. Love that laser cutting. Yeah. It's beautiful for sure. So the piece turned out amazing and beautiful, but you made absolutely no money on it. You lost money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but you know what? In the end, it was, I mean, like, I'm sure you've been in that position too, where yeah. it's like you lose money on it, but it was so worth it. And like the final piece is beautiful and it's a gorgeous portfolio piece. And like you learned a lot along the way. So yeah, what See, can you do? Now you just say doing it for the gram. 
Yeah, totally. But I don't know when this was, so I don't know if you can pull that off. Well, you know what? I, I'll post a picture of it so you can see it. It, it, it. It's so beautiful that I should re-Instagram it. Awesome. There you go. Then you could double usage of that. Yeah, First, you did sure. it for the portfolio, and then you did it for the gram. Mm-hmm, Love mm-hmm. it. All right, Amanda, I want to take a deep dive into a project here, and I really want to give the listener an idea about what it's like to work through a print project from the, you know, initial meetings with the customer to budgets and quoting and vendors and paper choices and all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you got that we can dive deep into? Um, well, I decided to pick this project that we did for a self promo piece for the studio uh, called tools of the trade. So there is a little bit of a few of the questions as far as like, customer aspect that don't play in but it really kind of touches on tons of print uh techniques so what um, i like about it being an internal project for you being the business owner is you might have some extra information on the roi of a piece like that for sure for sure so um yeah so i can explain a little bit of a brief on it so um so we wanted to create a new print piece to promote our studio we had just moved into a new office space uh, sharing a new beautiful office with the web company. And we had an event coming up that was kind of a, just like a housewarming type of event where all of our clients were coming for food and just mm-hmm. to check out the space. So um, a couple of months before we were going to have that event, I decided that we needed to have a print piece as a takeaway. And then for anybody who wouldn't be attending to mail to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we came up with this idea called tools of the trade. And basically it's the concept that like, um, in this digital digital age that like print techniques have become something that people really, you know, enjoy and that like, it's a beautiful medium of communication. Like basically everything that like your, even your podcast um, identifies with how important and and valuable print can be. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a, it's a, it's basically a print piece kind of celebrating print, so to speak. So basically what we created was, it was a series of postcards, um, with a custom illustration on the front of each postcard going through different tools of the trade. So we had one postcard was pencils, pens, nibs, and ink. One was scissors, one was ruler, one was a printing press, uh, the computer, the workspace, that's the last one, an apron, and paper and books. So each one was uh, illustrated um, there's three of us, so we each took a couple of them to illustrate, and then each of the postcards had a different printing technique applied to it. Um, so, like some were printed with Pantones and you know gloss UV, some were printed with metallics, um, some were printed on linen, some were printed digital, some were printed offset, some had white ink. So it like kind of went all over the place as far awesome. as technique and paper are concerned yeah yeah and then i guess um just to kind of wrap up my intro here uh we partnered with our print rep here locally um to produce each like to produce the whole piece so Uh we partnered with him and put both of our logos on the piece so they could use it as a as a showpiece for their print print abilities um which was just an amazing collaboration and um both of us got like a lot of really great response from the piece. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So when you guys came together with this idea, was this like a, this is how much it costs. Let's split it and I'll put your logo on it. 
or was this like, did they print for free for you because of the promotion? They, well, I mean, I kind of just came up with the idea and called the printer and I'm like, this is my idea. What do you think? (laughs) And he's like, this is pretty wacky. Let me go to my boss. And basically I, I mean, I'm still surprised that it worked out so well for us, but like, Basically, the the gist of it was that because we allowed them to use all of our artwork for their own promotion, they printed the whole thing for free and gave us half of them. And we didn't have to pay a dime. Awesome. So yeah. Good. Yeah. So it worked out so well. Um, uh, as far as like, I mean, you talk about budget for a print piece like this with all of these techniques we used, it would have been insane to actually produce this ourselves. How so did you produce? Um, I think we end up getting like maybe 150 of them and then they might've even printed more for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But So that probably would have been a bill to you of like $5,000 if, yeah. if not more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, oddly enough, I was talking to my rep just this morning and like one of the postcards for the set, uh, one that Rachel illustrated, it was printed black paper with white ink and nice. then and then digital colors over top of the white ink and their equipment at the time didn't really handle it very well. And he was just telling me today that um, because they're so slow due to COVID that they're going to try reprinting this particular one um, and maybe using it as like a direct mail piece. So you might actually run it again. That's cool. um, and it's, it's an, it's awesome one to run right now because it's workspace. So it's like someone working from home with like their tea and their laptop and all their drawing tools out. Oh, so it's, that's so great. it's so perfect for the time that we're in, but yeah, it's definitely been a piece that's like kind of carried on for a couple of years and um, you know, that we both really enjoyed to work on together. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about the proofing and press check process for this kind of piece? Cause it sounds like very elaborate. Did you do press checks and proofing? Um, well, um, I, it's, it's kind of funny cause like the way the timing worked for this project, I kind of kicked it off and got a bunch of work done and it kind of flowed over Christmas and over a holiday, my husband and son and I were taking to Hawaii. Yeah. So I did some work on it and then I kind of like dumped it on my staff and <laughs> left, left for vacation. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so like a lot of the work that like the meat and potatoes, technical work that needed to happen on this project happened with them while I was away. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of like crazy file setup work that needed to be done and that, um, you know, some of the, some of the parts of it had to actually be coached to us by the printer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as like proofing and press checks, anything that was digital, um, they were able to see a real proof of, and then I don't think we, I don't know if they went for a press check for the, for the offset stuff, just because, I think most of the offset pieces were pretty straightforward. Like I think there was a couple of metallics, but other than that, it was pretty straightforward. That said, there was a wrap that like wrapped all the postcards and that was black paper with white ink and with a uh, blind varnish. So like black on black yep. illustrations um, that that was something that there was like a few hiccups with. And I think our print rep had to come to the studio a couple of times with proofs on that one. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that effect. Black paper with the like the black gloss in like yeah. in line illustration form it looks so good. It does. It does. Yeah. Okay, so results of the finished product were obviously dynamite. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What was the reaction of handing this out at the event? What did your customers that you mailed it to say? Like, what kind of feedback did you get? Well, it was really, I mean, obviously we put so much effort into this and it showed. So um, the the response was generally super positive. I think that, I mean, it's hard to kind of pinpoint um, what specific projects we may have gotten out of the project, but I did feel that like this project itself, because it was uh, so illustration heavy, mm-hmm. that it, it really um, it really helped our clients notice that we're a team of strong illustrators. And I mean, in recent years, like we we put this piece out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in recent years, our illustration jobs have become larger and more frequent, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like this piece is, ha- has been kind of a part of. Um, kind of uh, confirming to people that we have the skill to do a variety of illustration styles and that there's a robustness of that skill in our, in our team. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it was really effective. And then like, you know, I think that in some ways, like it was just as much of like a source of pride for us to produce it and give it out to other designers in the community too, because like, you know, like, like we were laughing about earlier, um, all of us fellow designers like to geek out about print. So totally. it was it was nice to be able to kind of share our love for print to other designers. So like we ended up sharing this piece with a lot of our peers in in the industry too. And that was a really gratifying aspect of it. That's so good. And the, the one thing I want to mention about, you know, ROI, the return on the investment is it isn't always a direct dollar for dollar. I spent $1,000 on doing this and I made $4,000 because I did it. Like there mm-hmm. isn't always that direct connection. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all print is all about creating a tangible experience for your customer. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is print, if it's packaging, whatever that is, it's creating an experience and the cost for not creating a great experience mm-hmm. is higher than mm-hmm. the potential cost of that print and and the risk um, you know, or of not creating an experience at all. Yeah. Well, and I would also like to mention too that like um, this is also very hard and difficult thing to measure, but as a leader of a team, I think there's an, it's important to place the value of the creating the creating within the team too and what the ROI of that might be. Totally. Um, because like, you know, we pushed ourselves very hard with this piece and, uh, everybody got pushed out of their comfort zones. We tried new things, the sense of pride of us working together on this piece. Um, like all of those things you can't really measure in dollars and cents, but I know that it, you know, it brought our team closer together. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that like, you can't put a price tag on those experiences and you have to, um, book those experiences in between the billable client work. So you have a healthy team. I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's directly where I was trying to go in a roundabout way is that there's the term ROI can be assigned to so many different things. It's not always dollars for dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's great. The ROI of having a team that feels that's happy and feels supportive and together and creative together. Like there's massive value in that. Mm-hmm, I agree. Definitely. Um, so how long from start to like to, hey, I have this idea to event where you're handing these things out? What was that time frame? 
Uh, well, it was like there was a bit of start and stop with it. Uh, we kind of kicked off some initial ideas mid-December and then mm -hmm. of course we broke for Christmas. So there was some work done on it over the holidays, but not much. And then, you know, it, things really jumped into high gear through January. And then the event that we had them ready for was, I think, the first week of February. So I'd say about six weeks. Perfect. Yep. That's a yeah. decent timeline for sure. Mm -hmm. So Amanda, what, what advice would you give a designer who's new to print or really wanted to get started in print design? What, where would you tell them to start? What advice would you give them? Well, I think that like, um, I mean... In my experience with teaching design students, there is a lot of passion and interest for the tactile, but um, I think it's it's just something that's not, um, like for, for us old timers, we were really trained on the technical side of print, yeah. mm -hmm. where that's that's uh, kind of, it's, it's touched on in design school, but it's kind of quickly passed by in favor of digital now. Mm -hmm. So I think if, if people are very, if designers are very excited about print and want to really dig deep into print, um, they need to start learning, not just about, you know, why a print piece is pretty or metallic or this or that, but like understand the, um, the printing technical aspect of it and get, get excited about that. Like start understanding, you know, what Pantone inks are, how things run on a press, what, you know, some of the glossary terms involved with printing, learn about some of the techniques that we don't even necessarily use regularly anymore, but like might inform our thinking, like, you know, like tramping, trapping or like even just basic file setup. Um, it's so easy to send something to print now. Um, you don't really have to do a lot of tech. Uh, technical setup when you're just sending something to digital print, mm -hmm. but when you're when you're set, putting putting together a file and sending it up to go on a press, there's so much more involved, and it's it's important to know that information and, and um, you know kind of be a leader in that kind of area because you know the the printers themselves will respect you more and want to work with you if you have the technical background to actually. Uh, produce these pieces mm -hmm. so I think that like you know getting passionate about what you see is one thing but like getting passionate about the, like the technical side is is a whole other layer definitely understanding like just dive in and immerse yourself mm -hmm. in that print space to understand how it works to understand mm -hmm. how it actually because then putting it together in file form to arrive at a certain end result. If you know the process in between, it becomes a lot easier to do that. Oh, totally. And I think uh, this just came to mind too, but I think it might be valuable if you're a young designer to find a mentor that's been working in the field for at least 20 years and pick their brain about what print used to be like to kind of get an understanding of that history. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this then, just a little off of the script here. Um, mm -hmm. The best print projects you've seen, were, oh. are they typically printed digital or offset, do you think? Um, offset, I would say. 100%, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know what? Like the digital equipment is is beautiful and can do extremely beautiful things now. But like... Um, you can always tell when something's been printed on an offset press. Yes. There's, there's just something about it that's crisper, um, that's just more precise. 
And yeah, I'm, I'm an offset diehard. Like we actually, we, we printed some, some, just some greeting cards for the studio this year digitally with some like digital UV varnishes. Mm -hmm. And like, I got the quote for the offset and the digital and I'm like, ah, this is way more. I'm going to do the digital. And we got the digital delivered and it was so subpar that I had the whole job rerun as offset (laughs) paid paid quadruple the price to get the cards made because I just couldn't put it out at that. And I know that like probably the average person wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but I would, and I can't live with myself. (laughs) No, because what you're giving out also is a touch point for your business and your studio. So if you don't feel fully confident delivering whatever you're going to deliver, then it's not worth it. It, I mean, it goes the same with like, we have a really fancy black foil business card for the studio. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every time I give it out, there's always a reaction like, whoa, your business card. And it's like, I always make the joke that um, if you are not wowed by my business card as a print designer, Mm -hmm. then there's a problem here. Like yeah. if anyone should have a fancy printed business card, it should be me. So yeah, yeah exactly. Totally true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Amanda, let me wrap this up with a final question here. I usually do an ask it forward question where you get to ask the next guest a question, but I'm switching it up um, to an ask the audience question. So okay. an audience of young designers, print people who are passionate about print and wanting to learn more about print. Um, what kind of question would you like to have them answer for you? Okay. Well, um, it's a pretty simple one. It's about Pantone. So my question is just like very, very simple, metallic or neon. Ooh, nice. So that's it. Classic. <laughs> awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on the Print Design Podcast. It was so awesome chatting print with you. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those pictures of the projects we talked about. Oh, for sure. It was my pleasure. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and geeking out on print with us. Gosh, print is amazing. If you want to get your foot in the door and start designing for print, start learning more about this print game, head over to printdesignacademy.com and check out our free three-part video series to start that print design journey printdesignacademy.com. Thanks, and we'll see you later.